Welcome to episode 89 of the Thunder Underground podcast. My name is Trent, and as always, this is Jason. What's going on? Not much. We're here 89. 89. 1989. You know who had a top 10 album and a top 5 Billboard single in 1989? Um, Probably a lot of people. Well, take a guess. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. Great White. Great, uh, great White. And that's where we're at. Yeah. That's what we've come to, which is a an amazing thing. Yeah. A great thing. A great thing for Great White. Yeah. Mark Kendall is our guest this week yes. from Great White. Very excited about this. We're going to be bringing you that shortly. Talk a little bit here about Great White and stuff. But before we do that, we're going to play some music. We're going to play a band out of Los Angeles. Let's just get right into this. This song is called Time Has Come, and it's Void Vader. Time has come from Void Vader. They're out of Los Angeles. Newer band. 
but they've got familiar faces, at least to us. Yes. Eric Kluber is part of this band, and we've played a couple other bands of his in the past year, just because everything this guy seems to do turns to magic. Yeah, I mean... (laughs) Even though it's all different styles of music, and, you know, there's every different people involved that are all great, but hey, he's the common factor here yeah. to us at least he's the common denominator and it seems like every band he's in kicks ass in its own way yeah uh, omachita ironot uh he was even he even helped out scattered hamlet for a while he was in white wizard that oh that's right he was and, see and you love some white wizard yeah well, so there we I, go man. yeah white yeah. wizard so shout out to eric kluber and uh you know we're excited to play void vader yeah yeah, look him up on Facebook. That's actually Vader with a T, V-A-T-O-R. Yes. And this is just some kick-ass metal. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, it's got heaviness of metal, but it's got a lot of melodicness to it as well. And it's kind of got a throwback sound, but it also sounds modern as well, if that makes sense. And yeah. It's just great vocals, great guitar work. You know, it's just a great song. It's kind of the best of both worlds, really. And, um, you know, it, it, the intertwining guitars, the solos, it's got great vocals, um, you know, I think that old school fans and new school fans uh, will both like this. And I kind of like what you said, heaviness of metal. That should be like a hashtag or something. <laughs> That's awesome. Hashtag heaviness of metal. <laughs> we have Void Vader. Time has come. They've got a, they've actually got a video for that song. It's on YouTube. Just pull them up on Facebook. They've got it there at the top for you to check out. Find them on Reverb Nation and buy this, buy these guys EP. Yep, and when you when you go to YouTube and play this video, I want you to turn it up all the way, and then I want to put I want you to put your ear all the way up to the speaker, <laughs> and that's that's when it's best. Yes. Speaking of the heaviness of metal, this past weekend I went and saw Crane Technique and gotcha. Fist of Rage. I'm not going to really get into that because I think we'll talk about that on the next episode, but I just wanted to mention it because Crane Technique is playing. This Friday night in Springfield, Missouri, opening up for Baba Flex. There you go. And then Baba Flex is coming into Tulsa that Sunday night with Driver opening. So we got a couple bands we really love opening up for Baba Flex. So if you're in Oklahoma or Missouri, get out there and check that out. That's right. It's a win-win. Yeah. And we'll be talking about that. And of course, uh, we'll be talking about Ghost. Oh, that's right. Why am I... Premiere in the next episode already, but hey. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Ghost, Avatar, Crane Technique, Max and Igor Cavalera's Roots. It's all going to be on there. We Yeah, we got some stuff coming up. Yeah. But before then, we've got some stuff coming up right now, which is great white. I hope we have some stuff coming <laughs> up right now. Or this is fuck. This was our four-minute episode. Yeah. <laughs> and Mark Kendall joined us. We talked to him over Skype, and quite an honor. We just saw him live here. Two weeks ago, actually, or a little over two weeks ago, he played the Streets Gone Wild Festival in Tulsa, and we saw him earlier this year at Rocklahoma, and then many other times throughout the years. Oh, yeah. We've seen Great White a lot, Uh, you know, and we just saw him at Streets Gone Wild, and they put on a great show. It was my 19th birthday. It was great. (laughs) That's right. Um, You know, and and, uh, it was uh, such an honor to get to talk to him. I, I can tell you, you know, Great White is one of those bands that I always thought transcended the 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 glam moniker they got slapped with a little bit. Yeah, their musicality and their their just their swagger was a bit more, and their songs, you know, rose above that as well. And they also did different stuff, you know. Remember Sail Away, the acoustic stuff, and we loved that. Oh, yeah. That was a memorable, memorable Kane's Ballroom show back in the 90s. Yeah. Uh, so to, to to get to talk to Mark was a total honor, and he was totally awesome. Yeah, that was one of the first, you know, like we've talked about before with other bands that we've had on here, when I really started getting into music, mm-hmm. you know, like 13, 14, or whatever. They're one of the first bands I kind of latched on to, because yeah. that was at the time when once bit twice shy and house of broken love and missed a bone and all that was all over the radio. Yeah. And I really kind of just one of the bands I gravitated to at that time. And then, you know, as I went in their back catalog and the stuff after that, like hooked and especially psycho city came out, like I really just became a huge fan and psycho city came out, I think when I was 15 and I listened, I wore that thing out, you know, that (laughs) album, like 
Old Rose Motel, Psycho City, and Love is a Lie. Yeah. And I still remember that, you know, that was kind of during that that period, you know, we've talked about 492 was like that transitional year. Yeah, where radio. everything, yeah, there's all kinds of genres hitting at the same time, and yeah. it was all the good stuff. Yeah. And like radio, yeah, would play Great White and then Soundgarden, yeah. and then Brother Kane and Jackal, yeah. and then Metallica, and then... You know, poison still. Yeah. It's just like it was all still right. It was just like this cool moment. And Love is a Lie got played a lot on the radio around here. And it's like mm-hmm. an eight minute long song. Yeah. And that song today still is one of my absolute favorite Gray White songs. And that's like Mark Kennel's solo throughout it at the end. You know, it was like two different solos and just that piano. And Jack Russell's vocals are just kind of eerie. And it's just the yeah. whole thing is just great. And then, like you said, Sail Away was like a total turn from the previous stuff where. The whole album was acoustic based and, you know, crying and all right and sail away and all that great stuff. And yeah. And we got to see it live, like you said. And yeah. We sure did. Yeah. And they even went later. You know, that's an, another thing about Great Wise. A lot of people don't know is that that was, that was kind of, I mean, I don't know if it was a success album sales wise. It probably wasn't in 94, but at least around here. The song Sail Away got played a lot on the radio. Oh man. It got played every five fucking yeah. minutes. And then you remember. I think, well, he talked in this interview about Baby, I'm Gonna Leave You. Yeah. You know, from the MTV thing a few years before, but they had that on the a double disc version of the Sail Away album, had a live thing from Anaheim, and they did that song on there, and that got played a ton on the radio around yeah, the same time. Yeah, sure did. And this was in 94, where none of that stuff was getting on the radio. Yeah. And then, you know, years later, towards the end of the 90s, Rolling Stoned, off of can't get there from here, you know, got a ton of play. And I didn't even know until like later, like years later, I saw that that was like a mainstream rock hit. Yeah. Like it was in the top 10 on mainstream rock in like 99 or 2000. Yeah. Exactly. Which is just weird to think about as well. And I think it's just kind of because like you said, they always transcended that, that thing, you know, where they're they a little, did. they really did. And, and they were like, more bluesy, you know? Than, yeah. Well, and that's like two, well, two things I want to bring up is, you know, Mark Kendall's just got that bluesy sound and he's got that uh, kind of like what he was talking about in the interview, you know, just with one note, you know, you could just shake it. And I mean, that's, he comes from that school and you can definitely tell, you know? Yeah. And, uh, that, they had an album of Zeppelin songs, didn't they? Yeah. That was around the same time, that, like that was, the end of yeah, the 90s. That was badass too. Yeah. It's the thing you, you know, so many people have covered Zeppelin songs throughout the years. Some have done it. In their own style, and yeah. some have tried to do it in Zeppelin style. And usually, the ones that try to sound like Zeppelin don't come off as good. Yeah, it's usually when they make it their own is when it's good. But Great White was a major exception to that because yeah, exactly. Mark Kendall nailed it, Jack Russell nailed it, and it just they even did like Stairway to Heaven and stuff that most people won't touch, and it, it turned out great. Yeah, well, fuck it. When we're done with this, I'm gonna go listen to that album. It's <laughs> happening. Yeah. Well, uh. The, the other thing to mention is with that blues thing, I think, you know, there was several bands during that era, you know, like Cinderella or Tesla yeah, or Junkyard or Tora Tora that were a hard rock, you know, just, you know what they are. They're a hard rock band, but they had blues tendencies and kind of Definitely. lean that way. But Great White was kind of, I always thought the flip side of that. They were just more like a blues rock band that leaned hard rock. Yeah. You know, like with. I can see that. With rock, the earlier stuff, especially like Lady Red Light and Rock Me and On Your Knees, you know, was heavier. Mm-hmm. But as they went on, their their blues stuff, like, obviously the Once Bitten Twice Shy cover, House of Broken Love, All Right Now, can't, you know, all over now, sorry. Um, <laughs> it's okay, I'll let it slide. <laughs> yeah, Big Goodbye, you know, was pretty heavy. But Big they, Goodbye, God, I fucking yeah. love that song, man. But they're all just... They're more bluesy rock songs that just had a, that leaned heavy yeah. instead of the opposite of what most of those yeah. bands did. But yeah, that's, I think Big Goodbye is probably my number one favorite Great White song ever. Yes. I'll say it. I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. And, uh, you know, since we're on the subject, uh, what do you think of Elation and the new, you know, the new singer, Terry, don't know how to say his last name. I'm not going to try because <laughs> I don't want to sound like an idiot and I don't want to disrespect him, so... That's so funny because it's one of those things that we've never, you know, if you've never heard a DJ or something in your life say someone's name and then you realize, oh, now I've got to say it. You're not sure exactly yeah, how to exactly. say it. Well, see, and that's... I've and never I known how to I say his name and, either. And I never try to... Some people will try to say it, 
Like, you know, you remember, do you remember back in, uh, when, um, they had that shitty fucking rock station, 102.3, and they had the dumbass DJs, and they played Kid Rock, and the person goes, yeah, that was Kid Rock with Bawinadabah. <laughs> and I'm like, that's fucking stupid. But then again, you know, the whole thing's stupid anyways, no matter how you say it, but right. I don't want to be that person. I'd rather just not say it. You know, if I hadn't found out yet, I just won't say it. Right. And, you know, to me, that's like respectful. <laughs> just saying. Well, Terry, <laughs> from XYZ fame, if you're not familiar with where he came from, if you're around in this time, loved Great White, like us growing up, you probably remember XYZ. They had yes. Inside Out, Inside got a ton out. of radio play. How, how, can you, how can you deny that song? Yeah. You know, and, and everyone who's like, ah, oh, whatever. Yeah, you love that song. You know you did. <laughs> And that, yeah, he he brings a different, you know, he's a, has a great voice just like Jack Russell, but he brings a totally different feel to the band. Yeah. And with, you know, and it, Elation sounds like Great White. It, yeah, it does. Even without Jack Russell there. But it's because, of, you know, our guest here, I think, is a big part of it. Mark Kendall and Michael Lardy, you know, have been playing together for 30 years. Yeah, I mean, and, that's... You know, with the two guitars and a piano and that's a huge sound of great white and then terry's vocals are just phenomenal you know whether they're on record or live and there's so many this is one of those albums where you know it's a shame where a lot of people even people from that era that love these bands don't pay attention yeah they won't give it a chance or give it a chance but it's one of those albums that lives up to our hashtag all killer no filler you can hit play and never stop yeah you'll never skip it and kind of like you said you know you've got michael Lardy and and mark kendall that's a tried and true that's a trademark thing and and that that remains true through this album yeah uh, and it's just got there's so many kick-ass songs in this album you know yeah uh, Heart of a Man, I've Got Something for You, uh, Shotgun Willies, those stick out to me big time. Yeah. You know, so I mean, give this album a chance. It's four years old, but still, I know you haven't listened to it, people, so go listen to it. <laughs> yeah, all their, I mentioned this to you, I think, after we interviewed them. It's mm-hmm. like one of those bands, they've had several albums since, you know, the heyday of this kind of music. Mm-hmm. And They've all been solid, you know, Let yeah. It Rock, Can't Get There From Here, Back to the Rhythm, you know, and of course the the Great White thing and the, I mean, the Great White thing, the Led Zeppelin thing <laughs> and the, the cover stuff they did, you know, they're, yeah. they're just a solid band and they pull it off tenfold live. Yes, they do. And I think that's the first thing we get into is just how good these guys are live always. It's just impeccable that they're just, they're not going through the motions either, you know, and he yeah. talks about that too. Exactly. Well, yeah, you can't, you know, you got to keep it, you know, you got to keep it fresh and you got to keep it interesting. Yeah. And they've got a new album coming out probably next year. Like they're going to start working yeah. on it. He talks about it at the beginning of the year. So mm-hmm. can't wait to hear that and where these guys go from here. Yeah, it's going to be good stuff. All right. Well, we're at thethunderunderground.com. We've got 80 other episodes for you to check out. So go do that. Facebook.com backslash thethunderunderground. We're also on YouTube and Twitter and periscope and instagram so follow us on all that stuff follow great white and i think is the time we get into this this interview right now let's do it all right here's mark kendall from great white We just saw you guys at Streets Gone Wild. We saw you earlier this year at Rocklahoma. Countless times throughout the years, and I've always wondered, because you guys are so consistently solid as a live act, if you guys constantly rehearse before tours, or if it's just nature now, since you guys have been doing this forever? Um, We usually get together um, just to change the setup and stuff. Uh, If we got some, like, maybe a new album or, you know, some new music... We like to add a couple new ones, um, you know, so we really get together for that reason and and uh, just try to do stuff in the show that um, 
that'll eliminate any risk of us going through the motions. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like our jams are a little different each night, which kind of makes it we don't know what's going to happen moments. And, you know, that way it keeps it exciting for us. And then because um, our fans aren't stupid, I mean, they're going to they're going to know if we're just up there faking it, which we've never done. And and that's the main reason we get together, not because we don't know the songs, just so we can sort out our set and, you know, make sure I'm going to be happy and everybody else is going to be happy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Would you like to change the order and that kind of thing to keep it fresh? For yeah, up there? yeah, and you know, extend jam, extended jams. You know, bring the crowd into the show a little bit, and um, yeah, just change. You, you know, add a couple. I mean, we have a like thirteen albums. You know what I mean? So you can intertwine different songs. You know, um, what might be considered B side songs because they. Those aren't the ones we put out, but we still like them, and the fans know them from us. Just you know, like "Save Your Love" was never a big hit, really, uh, but it was a hit with the fans. You know, so that's that was a big live song. It, it just sort of took on a life of its own just from playing it live. You know, um, and there's other songs like that that maybe weren't huge hits on paper, but you know, the fans kind of uh, made him that way. So, you know, we have a lot of songs we can um, go in and out of the set. Some we put in this year that we haven't played in 20 years just for the heck of it. You know what I mean? So we got stuff like that going on. You know, we're constantly trying to make new music. It's been a while, but um, we've been writing a lot. We're going in the studio in January with Michael Wagner, who we haven't worked with in, in quite a few years. So that's going to be fun. And that's that's probably why we're still here. You know what I mean? It's because it's just allowing ourselves the freedom to keep making new music. You know, I, I've made the comparison to someone going out and selling the same painting every year. You know, it's like that would get pretty boring after a while. Not that we're not grateful to have those paintings, but we got to keep making new ones for for us to have joy you know what i mean yeah yeah it keeps you interested for sure yeah well like when you guys play these festivals with a lot of bands from back in the day in your era the 80s and early 90s do you run into guys that you haven't seen in 20 25 years all the time and you know one thing i really noticed is um People these days that are in bands, a lot of a lot of the guys that I met at least are treating themselves a little bit better these days than back then. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and everybody seems to be playing a little better. You know, I mean, it could just be my imagination, but it just seems like everybody, most of the bands I've run into are playing a lot better. They look good, you know, and. Uh, yeah, so it's a little different now when you run into, you know, back then, maybe there was just a little bit more of that competitive, you know, oh, they suck and we're, you know, we're great and all that kind of stuff. But I think now we're just like a more, it's more like we're grateful to have what we do and we're glad we could share our music still with the fans. So... You know, when you look over and you see some band you might have toured with, you know, years ago, and they're still standing, it's more like high five time, you know, as opposed to like, oh, let's we're gonna slay those guys tonight. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whatever, you know. So we're all just kind of grateful to be here, and you know, it's great to see these bands. You know, like I was backstage with the Scorpions the other night. And I'm just going, man, here we are, all these years later. You know. And I, I just think it's great that bands are still carrying the torch for for back in the day, and and there's still fans in front of the stage going, "Yeah, man, you know, that, you know, let's do this." And they got their kids there, or you know, we see the generations, and it's like they're um, almost like they're discovering something new. But you know, maybe it's their mom and dad. Even it's like. 
mom and dad aren't so corny. I mean, this stuff, you know, this stuff shreds. I mean, this, <laughs> this stuff rocks. You know, it's not like with our parents, you know, where it's like Lawrence Welk can't relate to it at all. At least, you know, this stuff has some some punch to it, you know. We're not uh, out there with violins or, you know, not like easy listening jazz or something. So... <laughs> So our, my kids can relate to it a little a little bit more than uh, say maybe I could with my parents. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And well, and that was the cool thing about Rocklahoma is you know it was all different kind of bands, all different eras, and everybody seemed to uh, to like all of it and get along and stuff. Yeah, I really noticed that even more in Europe. I mean, we've done oh, shows with like where we played with Slayer. And Bob Dylan, like, on the same stage the same day, you yeah. know, with Black Sabbath, Slayer, you know, Iggy Pop, Buddy Guy. I mean, all these different genres of music, and no one cared. People went just as nuts for Dylan as they did Slayer. Yeah. I mean, you know, the mosh pit might not have been going, but they were just as loud. Apart from when Sabbath came on, it was like, you know, because there's like 300,000 people, so... When those three notes happen, dun, 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 it's over. <laughs> it's like they win already, and they weren't even on the stage yet. But to hear that crowd from when those three notes went off, I was just like, holy heck. But, yeah, um, yeah, but Rocklahoma, yeah, like you said, the, you know, they had the more current bands. They, they, you know, we're all playing together, and it, it's fine. I mean, we've done shows with Three Doors Down or, you, you know, we, we've we played with these bands and, you know, Green Jelly and whatever. <laughs> all, the, all these type, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. The, the newer bands. I, I've even had some of these guys come up to me and go, dude, man, you know, uh, I was really into you when I was up and coming and, and all this stuff. And they're playing, you know, every song is called Kill Your Parents, you know what I mean? <laughs> And they're they're telling me that I'm an influence. I'm like, really? I mean, thanks, but you know, but you know, but we can still play together, and it's kind of cool. Well, uh, Elation came out about four years ago, and now that you've yeah. had time four years away from it, do you look back? Are you happy with how everything turned out? Yeah, I'm pretty happy um, for the way we did it. Uh, we just tried something different. We're probably going to do something a little bit different from that, which is we went in the studio with basically no material whatsoever except for two ideas, and we just went there in the morning into the recording studio. And granted, we're paying time for this place. So we'd go in and go, okay, what do you got? What do you got? What do you got? You know what I mean? And And – write a song each day that's the way we did it this time we're a little more prepared we've been getting together a lot we have a lot of music and uh, we're kind of putting it together over the next couple months scheduled to go in with wagner on january 3rd in nashville and um it, it's pretty exciting i mean i don't know if you've seen his studio like online or whatever there's like a seven part series and it's pretty impressive i mean this guy's been around a long time. He constantly gets, I don't know if it's better or, you know, like he invents things and he has engineers come from all over the world and do workshops and they talk about new things. And so he, he's a legend in that, in that regard. So it, and plus a real good friend. So it's going to be fun to work with him. Um, you know, we like to change the atmosphere, record in different studios, just, again, to eliminate going through the motions. Because, I mean, if you if you know everything that's going to happen before it happens, it's like it's hard to get real excited. But if you're in a different environment, a different, you know, like Nashville, I mean, it's a place I've never really hung out. So it's going to be new and fun and, you know, just to give us a different look, you know. And um, and to work with him after 30 years, it's like, you know, it's just fun to even hang out with him. So it's, it's going to be fun to make a record for sure. And, you know, give the fans something else to, listen, to look at and listen to. <laughs> what was that 
like going in on your debut album working with someone of that stature? I'm sorry? Or what was that like working with Michael Wagner on your debut album going in working with someone of that stature at that time? Totally amazing. Um, you know, because we were so green. I mean, you know, we we just been grinding it out in clubs, you know, and all of a sudden there was somebody in the audience that, that meant something. And then oh, before we know it, we're in the studio recording with this German producer who barely knew English. And, uh, you know, so it, it was awesome. And, you know, he had worked with Accept and, and stuff like that. And so we're here in Balls of the Wall and we're going, that's the same guy that's going to do our record, man. This is, you know, that's pretty cool. And just... The way he spoke, he was he was he didn't know the language that well, but the way he spoke in his broken English, he was very funny. I mean, you know, he would answer the telephone and say, Telephone <laughs> you, know? <laughs> he, he, he just, you know, he didn't know our soft language because he barely knew English. So he didn't know how to say things to not hurt you, he only knew direct. Like like if the singer, um, you know, would do a performance and, um, and it wasn't that good, he would just say, don't sing flat, you know? It's <laughs> like he didn't know how to say, hey, I, I, you know, I think we could get one better. Uh, you know, really good try, buddy, but, you know, he doesn't know all that stuff. Just don't sing flat, you know? And, and it was also neat the way he came up with, like, if you needed something, a church bell or something, you know, a no something where you needed an explosion or, or whatever, it wasn't something you could grab on, off the Internet because we didn't have the Internet then. So I remember one time we did need a bell, like an ACDC-type church bell thing. And so he hung uh, a tire iron with, fishing line in the studio sped the tape way up and and had the drummer kind of hit it real fast and then he slowed the tape down and it was like you know <laughs> the big church bell you ever heard in your life just just stuff like that you know real creative creative mind and uh and really funny guy and you know i hadn't seen him for a long time and it was actually kind of an accident that we're even doing this um I was saying my goodbyes, and as I was, he just goes, we should do something soon. I go, what? Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. You know, and that's kind of just how it happened, just like by accident. Nothing nothing by his or our design, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, pretty neat. Cool, cool. Well, uh, talk about um, what Terry brings to the band and uh, how, how it is writing with him. Um, you know... The energy that he brings is is different than what we're used to. You know, we're kind of laid back guys. You know, these guys are you know like beach guys, and you know these not surfers, but you know we're like dude, you know. And he he's like um, this high energy. You know, I mean, he just vibrates a little bit uh, higher frequency than what we're used to, but it's like really cool because he's super positive. And he's a real good musician. Like, like, I, I can just give him music. I mean, I have all these melodies in my head, but I can just hand him music, and he can come back with a finished song. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where, the way we did it, way different in the past. So that's kind of neat. Um, he's just a, a, just kind of a positive spirit in a way. You know, it kind of just brings a lot of positive energy around us. And so it's pretty sweet. And he's real consistent, too, like live. I've never heard a guy just hit every note perfect, like, all the time. And he never, like, cancels a show. Like, he tells us he's sick all the time. Oh, yeah, man, I'm really sick. And we're going, oh, you know, we're thinking, oh, so we're going to, what, cancel eight shows? <laughs> oh, and he goes out and sings perfect. I'm going, okay, I never have to worry about this guy. <laughs> So it, it's pretty funny. Um, he's a really good dude, really, really nice guy. Well, you mentioned uh, you guys have already written a lot for this next album. 
Yeah. Is it completely written or you're still in the process? Are you going to write some um, in the studio as well, like last time? Yeah, we haven't finished all the songs, but we ha- have a pretty good um, idea of how the songs are going to be mapped out. And then there's a lot what we call uh, songs that stem from jamming together. You know, we'll just start jamming and all of a sudden a riff will start happening. And uh, I used to call them my sound check riffs. It's like I play this new riff that I had and wait and kind of see if the band's going to launch in or not. That usually tells me if they like it or not. If they, you know, look at me and start playing, you know. I go, oh, okay, so this this riff might work. We do that a lot when we jam together. You know, we're still old school. I mean, we don't, like, email each other our parts, <laughs> you know, <laughs> each other for five years, you know. We, we actually get together and jam in a room when we write songs. You know, we don't, you know... I don't know how other people do it. I, that's just the way we do it. That's the way uh, good things happen when when we play together, you know. Well, talk about... And we got a documentary coming out, you know, that uh, it's actually been delayed for a while, but now it's, like, literally probably a week away from us seeing the complete finished thing, which I've seen a lot, seen it in bits and pieces. It's a live show from Las Vegas, and, like, our entire story... You know, um, in a two-hour documentary. And, you know, it's a real big production as far as, like, you know, like, I don't know, like 30 cameras, you know, cranes and all this stuff uh, at for the show itself. So it was a pretty big production, bigger than probably than we've ever had. And these guys followed us around with cameras for probably a month at least. And at every location you can imagine. So, I mean, there's a lot to tell when you're around for as long as we've been around, you know, so we've never really got a chance to share that with the fans, which I think is going to be kind of fun. I know, I know that I'm a fan. I got a lot of heroes and I like to hear their stories. So I figured that it'll be good for our fans to, kind of get to know us a little better besides when they see us on stage you know i mean i was 16 years old one at one point and you know and i used to jam with people and you know i seen van halen in backyards for a dollar and stuff like that so (laughs) you know i mean it's a cool story because there's kids out there that play guitar that have dreams and when when they see it happen, or at least hear a story about what can happen, it, maybe it'll inspire them. And plus, at the same time, like I said, the, they get to know kind of where we came from a little bit, you know. Yeah. And that's cool because, you know, we've had fans for a long time and friends and, you know, where our music was like kind of a part of their lives in the sense of, they grew up to it, you know, and uh, maybe some even got married to certain songs or whatever. So if we could kind of share our story a little bit with those guys or whoever, it, it's kind of fun, especially the for the fact, I mean, these guys have like awards from Michael Jackson and Guns N' Roses and stuff like that. So, um, you know, it's done real well, too. So that that's going to be fun. Yeah. How, how was it uh, turning a corner everywhere and seeing a camera in your face for a month? How was what now? Had, turning a corner and just seeing a camera in your face for a whole month long. Well, <laughs> it was fine because it wasn't, they weren't hidden. It yeah. was just like, went on to locations and they, they wanted to kind of go back to where we started. Like, I, uh, I got you. I'd go down to Hollywood, show them some of the clubs we used to play. Or, you know, kind of go on old locations of, like, Capitol Records and just just so you can get a visual of where, you know, once we got out of the garage, you know, where did you go from there, you know? And we, we played in a lot of backyards. It was a real healthy music scene where I grew up and stuff. And once we got out of the backyards and we were playing the clubs, we were playing in Hollywood, like the Troubadour, you know, the Whiskey, um, you know, other clubs like the Starwood and stuff like this, where 
they were more like showcase clubs, you know, um, like a lot of people, even back in the days of like Elton John and stuff, the doors that, you know, there's bands that, that got discovered there or, you know, so these clubs have a lot of history. So, you know, we were just, just things that we normally do. I mean, you know, um, we do a lot of interviews, you know, like with local radio, KLOS. We've been close to them for years because they were the first uh, radio station to ever play us, even when we didn't have a record deal, which is kind of unheard of. Um, you know, we didn't have a record deal, and they're playing one of our songs in heavy rotation. And and a lot of reason is because... Um, that, that I mean, that's why the major labels got interested. You know, they kind of got brainwashed into liking us. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, so, so we do things like that. Like we'll go to the radio station and um, just do interviews on maybe a show coming up. So the cameras came to stuff like that. Like we went to the Playboy Channel, had something there. You know, so so a lot of it was. Uh, you know them just coming out when we were doing stuff and and also doing interviews but i think we we covered pretty much covered everything you know so it should be fun cool cool and it's a three disc set so it's going to be a pretty good package you know for whoever um a cd of the live show then they have a second a dvd blu-ray of uh, mostly the show, but some interviews uh, kind of dubbed in. And then um, the third is the full documentary with just a little bit of live stuff. So the nice. whole two hours of our story, but flashes of <clears throat> us, you know, whatever. So that, <laughs> When's that going to be out? And November 4th, I've been told. Awesome. Nice. Yeah. And we're going to make it available before that. So as soon as we know when we can get a hold of it, we're going to announce it to the fans and on our website and around the social media and stuff like that, that you can like pre-order it and we'll have it on this date, which is before the actual release date. So just so we can get it to the fans a little quicker than, you know, having to wait for Amazon and all that. Great. Great. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you're writing guitar riffs or coming up with a new song, do you approach it different if Michael's going to be playing second guitar than you would if he's going to be playing piano? I, You know, I haven't changed anything um, from back in the day to now on the way I write. Uh, when I kind of get in what I call writing mode, I kind of walk down – walk around a little bit like a zombie. I got riffs going in my head and stuff. And I'll usually sit and watch TV with an acoustic and just kind of fumble around until something good happens. And then I'll just put it on my phone so I don't forget it. When, when it's in a certain rhythmical thing, when I have something that I don't want to lose, I just put it on tape right away. That way I can get back, because sometimes I won't forget the riff, but I I don't have the same rhythmical thing going on that I did at that time. And for whatever reason, I don't know why that is, but I like to be able to get back to that. And and just to put it on a little micro cassette or anything you can think of, just so you don't lose the idea, you can always get back to that rhythm. Um, as far as coming up with multiple guitar uh, parts, we kind of worked that out later. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'll, I'll just get uh, a rough idea of the tune, kind of get guitar parts that I think I like for me, and then we'll come up with other stuff, you know. Uh, for One thing that we do avoid, and that is both of us playing the same thing. We try to do make it an orchestrated guitar which is two different parts you know if it was just playing the same thing i'll just do it twice yeah. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well uh get, getting into uh you know blues i mean I, i'm admittedly just kind of a blues rock guy with stevie ray vaughn and chris duarte and stuff 
who who are your go-to blues guys that you would recommend to somebody? Um, well, well, I I don't know if this is considered a blues guy, but when I was first up and coming, the first guitar player that I literally just went crazy and thought it was the greatest ever was Carlos Santana. Yeah. And literally, in, when I was 14 years old, I played with these guys, and we only play. I demanded that we only play Santana. <laughs> so, but then I grew older. I, you know, by the time I was 15, I was just listening to Johnny Winter. I was listening to, um, you know, Alvin Lee. Um, you know, starting to discover more guitar players like Richie Blackmore. You know, as I, in my older teenage years, who kind of had, you know, most of the guitar players that I liked had the blues overtones, you know, um, that kind of played in the pentatonic area. Yeah. You know, of course, Steve Ray Vaughan. In fact, Steve Ray Vaughan, I, we, we did a show with him. It was the Charlie Daniels Annual Benefit Jam in Nashville. Um and got to meet him and uh, he he was very down to earth and you know i i'm a huge fan i mean because of the way he just grabs notes and it's just how he's feeling at that any given moment you know it's nothing that's on paper it's just how he feels is how long he's going to squeeze that note and i've always just loved players that play that way because it's the way they feel at that moment and that's the way he played and i still have the poster that he signed for me that i had laminated um he wrote keep standing tall nice <laughs> totally badass yeah, badass <laughs> and um you know in when he died it was literally we flew on the same helicopters from the same place. We played a thing called the World Series of Rock in 19, I believe it was 1990. And we flew from Chicago, Heliport, 90 miles to Wisconsin to play this show and then flew back. Because we didn't want to stay in the hotel with all the vans, you know, screaming down the hallways, <laughs> drinking Jack Daniels yeah. at four in the morning and, and all that kind of shit. So, so we stayed in Chicago. Three months later, Steve Ray Vaughn flew on those same helicopters, and it was really foggy, I heard, and the helicopter ran into the telephone wires. Um, so it's really unfortunate because losing him like that, because for one thing, he was totally sober. Yeah. He was... Uh, it's it just amazing to me that you know he he didn't lose if anything he gained feel from getting sober you know um i i've seen him live like just on the internet some old show where he has some breakdown and he's talking about you know those drugs will catch up to you man you know and he just and and, and it's just he's not preaching he's just you know it, it's more like he just wants you to be okay you know and God, awesome! Yeah, that great stuff. Giant, yeah. <laughs> it gets the the fur rising when I talk to him. Talk about him a little <laughs> bit, because there's not many that can play with that much feel. It's like it almost blows my mind. It's the way I play, and when someone I feel like even you know, has way more feel than I got. I'm just going, what planet is this dude from? <laughs> now this is like, the, to play with that much emotion as he does, it, it, it's, it, it's almost spiritual, you get me? I mean, yeah, it's yeah. just, God, how can anyone just be that close to music to where it's just like pouring out of their skin almost, you know, just, it's just connected to the soul, it, you know. With that, with the sake of sounding corny, I, I just mean that's that's how 
I can't even put it into words almost sometimes when someone plays, you know, when they're that connected to what they do. It's like that. And that was my whole getting sold to Carlos Santana. Yeah. When I saw that live footage of the Woodstock concert and he was doing Soul Sacrifice and he just grabbing notes and just like, you know, making this little face and he just grab it and just squeeze that thing for like a minute, 10 seconds, you know, and just, it's unbelievable that he he can feel that way right at that moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you could line up a hundred guitar players, not one of them would grab that note and just hold it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just badass. I mean, I just... (laughs) Well, you guys did a lot of acoustic-based stuff in the past with the Sellaway record and MTV Unplugged, and I know you recently revisited that and doing some shows with Terry. Was that something that he brought up or something you guys have been wanting to do for a while? Well, I, I, no. You know, the, the reason we did that was that our agent came to us, and he had a, we don't really play clubs that much, you know, and we said, okay, you know, you can get us three or four smaller venues, but we don't want to bring, you know, like the arena show into the small, smaller clubs. We'll do an in, more of an intimate acoustic kind of set, you know, and get and at the same time be able to give the fans a different look at the songs, you know, have them delivered in a completely different way. And, and that's, that's again, makes it fun for us instead of doing our, you know, show that we would do on a big stage on a small stage, you know, giving them the horns and stuff, you know, (laughs) you know, on on a postage stamp, you know, you know, it's kind of, (laughs) yes i'd rather you know give them some different look of the songs with acoustics or something you know just more of an intimate kind of vibe so that's kind of how that happened but years ago when we did do that um unplugged tv thing in fact that was the we were the first band to ever redo it it was us the damn yankees and don henley all recorded the same day and uh and the night before that gig, my manager called and said, Learn, babe, I'm going to leave you. I want you guys to do a Zeppelin song. <laughs> and I go, before. well, are we going to rehearse or anything? He goes, no, nah, just do it in the dressing room before you play. <laughs> I'm going, dude, this isn't Tush. This isn't like, <laughs> this isn't like Johnny B. Good. I mean, there's all this picking, you know. It's this crazy arrangement. You go, oh, it'll be fine. <laughs> So I learned it, you know, and then we just kind of did it um, at the sound check. We went through it once, I think. So that was really winging it. I mean, I didn't even have the the uh, arrangement totally in my head yet, and I was so nervous of uh, playing that if you ever see that video, notice how happy I get at the very end because I'm so glad it's over with. I'm going like. <laughs> I'm like, okay, there's, I know I'm going to remember all this stuff, so I'm all happy. It's really funny, but uh, yeah, we got through it, it. And of course, that's the song that MTV puts into the massive rotation. Yeah. You know? So it, that all came up uh, kind of funny, but you know, there wasn't a lot of acoustic shows back then, so that. That was a pretty good idea. I mean, MTV was cool back then, you know, when they played music and tried new things that involved music, you know. But whatever. (laughs) 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 Now it's like the reality. I was telling this guy, it's funny. I go, you know, MTV was supposed to be music television, and now all all it is is like uh, these reality shows. But the sad part of it is my daughter loves it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? It's weird. Yeah. Darn her. 
<laughs> There's quite a few bands now that have their non-original singer, and you always hear fans blowing it off. Like, what would you say to fans that don't give a band like yours a chance because it's not the original singer? You know, we really haven't run into that um, very much. Believe it or not, as much as you think that people are just supposed to not accept it and just say, this is horrible, you know, it's not the original guy, or it's like the songs have so much power on their own that if they're delivered really well, you would not believe the amount of fans that just do not care. Um, but we've had people that are real close to the band come up and say, you know, like Terry's doing a great job, but we miss Jack. And, and you know, so you might get that every once in a while. But I, and, and I am just being a fan. There are so many songs that I love to death, but could not even tell you who the band was. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever ran into that where the band, I mean, the song gets so popular, it just like dwarfs the band and makes it disappear. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's that's kind of how, not not putting myself on that pedestal or, or that level, but the songs are so important to the fans. If they can get them delivered really well, and Terry sings the hell of it out of our catalog stuff. Yeah. Definitely. That they they're they're generally happy, you know. Um, so we haven't really gotten you know an abundance of negativity or anything, and we're still having fun, you know. It's uh, it's just a lot of fun to go out and play live, you know, and uh, that's always been our favorite thing. Yeah. Although another part that I really like is when the first time I hear music that used to just be an idea, but now it's this other thing that's all finished, to hear that for the first time when it's totally mixed and everything, that that's kind of a moment for me where I, you know, I really liked that a lot. But, um, but playing live, probably because you don't have to wait forever to find out if, it's, if you're good or not, you know what I mean? <laughs> They let you know, yeah. you know. So, so that that's probably why bands, why like you hear it a lot, that they like to play live so much, yeah. because you you they your fans let you know right when you're done with the song if it, if it was okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm out in my man cave right now. This is can you see the background. Yeah, it looks cool. It's cool. My leg lamp and everything. Oh yeah, Christmas story. Uh, I got the uh, Hustler movie poster, <laughs> you know, the lamp factor, the pool table, you know. That's, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's pretty cool. This this buddy of mine helped, helped me, and uh, they kind of, you know, in the past, I, I never had a room to where I could put, like, a regulation table. And just have a, enough room to play. And finally got a house where I had plenty of room to, you know, have an area where I could, like, write songs, watch TV, play pool, or do whatever. So, it's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, it works. <laughs> do, you, do, you play, do you ever play pool competitively? I've always read you're an avid pool player, but I didn't ever yeah. hear if you do it competitively. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, I can go win, like, local tournaments and stuff like that. I'm no world beater, but I have a friend who's, like, a world champion. He runs 400 balls, and he's done all this stuff, won the U.S. Open world tournaments. And he comes over, and, you know, it's not like, well, he's giving me tips and stuff like that, but he basically goes, okay, I'm going to try to drill you. I mean, he goes, I, you know, you might not chew for an hour. I, You know, I'm going to try to kill you you know and that's kind of the way he gives me lessons it 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 lets me play under a little bit of pressure like so if i go play in a tournament it's like it, it's a lot easier but yeah i've been playing a lot of years i played just under pro speed and, you know it, it's that's what i kind of wanted my hobbies away from the music yeah cool 
Cool. Really tough game, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that and golf are like <laughs> nearly impossible. It must be impossible. You see pros out there golfing, they can't hit it straight every time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they really tough, you know what I mean? Cool, man. Well, we appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Hey, th- thanks, you guys. Yeah, thanks yeah. for your time. All right, man. Nice <laughs> talking with you guys. Anytime, just get a hold of uh, Melissa, and uh, if we come out with something new and you want to talk about it, whatever. Cool, okay. man. No problem. Yeah, we'll definitely hit you up then next year when the new album comes out. Thanks, brother. Thank you. Awesome, guys. Yeah. Bye-bye. There you go, Mark Kendall from Great White. Like we said earlier, it's quite an honor growing up as a fan of this guy and getting to talk to him here for about 40, 45 minutes. Thanks to him for taking the time out of his day to do that. Thanks to Melissa, who handles their PR. And thanks to you for listening. That's right. That's right. It was, uh, again, it was super cool opportunity. Uh, Mark was great and uh, even showed us his man cave. So yeah. Got to love that. Yeah, definitely. And uh, like you mentioned there, they've got this documentary coming out here in a couple months. So be on the lookout for that. And yeah. There's already one. It was from that that show that happened in Vegas last summer with Twisted Sister and Extreme. Oh, okay. And uh, Quite Right, I think, was the fourth band. And the Extreme one's coming out. It came out this past week, actually. Yeah. And then the Twisted Sister one came out like a couple months ago. So maybe that's what they're doing every couple months and the Quiet Riot one will probably be after that. So it's kind of a cool little series of things they're doing. I'm really looking forward to seeing those because Great White's one of those kind of, one of those bands where, you know, a lot of the background kind of, yeah. you don't know as much about these guys as you do about maybe Twisted Sister's upcoming or something. Exactly. Well, I like seeing documentaries of any of it, so... Yeah. I even like an Eagles documentary, and I hate the fucking Eagles. So, I mean, I'll definitely watch this. I mean, right. it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Well, and the new album should be next year. You know, looking forward to that. Working with Michael Wagner. Yeah. And uh, like we mentioned, if you get a chance to see these guys live, whether it be part of a festival or on their own show, just do it. They're exceptional live act. Terry's a great front man. You know, you can't say enough about what you see from these guys and like I said, we just saw him a couple weeks ago at, at uh, Streets Gone Wild. Yes. Not sure if we'll see that again due to recent events. That was a little weird. If yes. you're If you're up on the news, uh, there's some behind-the-scenes shenanigans would be the good word to use. Yeah. So, but <laughs> without going into detail, there's no reason to bring crap up. You can go to Eddie Trunk's page or Metal Sludge and see what we're talking about. Yeah. But like we mentioned when we did the review for the episode... We gave Tom Green a lot of praise, you know, just because we know the guy and like him and see how good of a job he does. And yeah. then Eddie Trunk in his in his write up about this did the same thing and let you know how well, you know, this thing was pulled off thanks to Tom Green and his crew. Yeah, well, and kind of like you said, we don't want to get into a lot of the negativity, but you know, you know, like you just said, we had a lot of praise for Tom Green and the things that came out this past week. You have even more praise for Tom Green. Yeah. It sounds like. And uh, it's just... Because uh, he basically said the Saturday might not have happened if it wasn't for Tom Green. Yeah, I mean, he saved the whole thing. So, you know, again, kudos to him. And hopefully he keeps it going because it was a well-attended event no matter what happened behind the scenes. Yeah. So hopefully something can keep going. Because we know there's definitely a stellar team behind it yeah. now. So... If it decides to go on. So let's hope for the best on that deal. Yeah. And like you talked about, downtown Tulsa is a, a really cool setting for Definitely. something like this. And, you know, people came out from all over the place. And it's, you know, a genre that sometimes there's a lot of these events that aren't well attended because there's a little oversaturation. But I think since we're in this area of the country, there's a lot of the fan base that love the yeah. original Rocklahomas and miss that kind of thing. And, you know, and what, you had a stellar lineup too. Like we mentioned, yeah. Great White. You had Night Ranger, Queensrÿche, Striper, Steelheart, all these bands that put on phenomenal live shows as well. That's right. Well, and it was it was far enough south. You had people from Mexico coming to this fucking thing. Yeah. I mean, how cool is that? Yeah. Yeah, we saw that on what was that on? It was on Queensrÿche's uh, page. I saw a couple yeah. people from Mexico saying that they were the main reason they came up. Yeah. For them and the fact that it was also a festival with a lot of other bands. But, yeah, I mean, that's that shows you how much this genre means to people. Like, you know, we've always talked about with us. And 
So it's just... I just hope it's here next year. Me if too. If it's not, you know, that's completely understandable, but hopefully we have Streets Gone Wild 2 in Tulsa next September. Hopefully. <laughs> well, mentioned earlier, thethunderunderground.com. All our podcasts are on there. Got some reviews of stuff as well. We've got 88 other episodes we've had on guys from Warrant and Trickster, as well as the Bullet Boys and Frank Cannon Band. We've had on... Um, if you like punk music, you were talking about earlier, Lenny Lashley. We don't mention him enough. Yeah. He was on here. That was quite awesome. He's from Dark Buster and the Street Dogs. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, if you like stuff really heavy, we've had on guys from Insight and Battlecross and Overkill, Crowbar, The Obsessed, uh, Soil, um, I Apollo, Miss That's May right. I, for if you like newer metal. And, you know, and if you're a, a, a Streets Gone Wild kind of person. We had Devin Micah on from Micah. We've had Joey Allen from Warrant. Yeah. So, uh, you know, check those out for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and coming up, we should have some good interviews for you in the next couple of weeks. We've talked to some people around here and as well yep. as some touring artists. So, like, I don't like to mention it because it might fall through. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'll mention it. We've got James Hetfield from Metallica finally. Oh, we're bumping that up from 100 to 90? Yes, yes. Why not? Alright. Just kidding. Yeah, well if you're out at the Ghost Show at the Brady Theater in Tulsa, or the Avatar Show in Tulsa at the Shrine this week, come up and say hi, because we'll be there. Yes, and and if you're at the Ghost Show, come up and we will worship Satan with you <laughs> while we're there. It'll be awesome. Yeah, and if you're at the Avatar Show, come up and we'll worship the circus with you. <laughs> that's right, that's right. <laughs> hey, I was at this show Saturday night. At the Billy and Renee's, and several people came up and asked, where's Jason? He's supposed to buy me a drink. Mm. So, Hey, yeah. hey, I can't help I got thrown on a mandatory goddamn overtime letter. <laughs> I had to be at work at the ass, not even the ass crack of dawn, before dawn, when it was still fucking dark. So I couldn't go to anything. <laughs> so, sorry, nobody got drinks. Maybe next time, but probably not. Anyways, see you later. <laughs> All right, check us out at Deep Thunder Underground, greatwhiterocks.com. Thanks again to Mark Kendall, and until next time. Thunder Underground, y'all. Thunder Underground.